Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Uh, it has been an interesting uh, week. A lot of things are going on, obviously, with the quarantine, the pretty much global quarantine that everyone is dealing with, uh, and just kind of how it's impacting uh, business and, and the world as a whole. Uh, definitely going to get into some great topics with uh, the executive branch, Trump's handling of uh, COVID-19 and the frustrations there with certain states trying to reopen uh, bars and restaurants and the impact that they're uh, going through the possibility of a coronavirus bill. Uh, we're just going to get into it. And then obviously the effects on the gas and oil prices. Stay tuned for another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Apparently, according to Monica Alba and Kara Lee and Kristen Welker, uh, President Donald Trump has grown frustrated He's growing restless after weeks of nationwide shutdowns. His top aides and campaign officials are exploring ways to start venturing outside of Washington for events in the coming weeks. So apparently the president uh, is suffering from cabin fever, which we all are. I think there isn't a human being uh, alive that enjoys just not being able to go outside, not being able to resume life in some capacity. But the focus uh, has to be safety. Like, I totally get it. Me, myself, you know, uh, all these at-home workouts are cool. Doing all this Tabata and bodyweight exercises are fine. Uh, Need to invest in resistant bands. But there's nothing to me that beats the gym. But if it means saving my life and others, that's that's a sacrifice that you have to be willing to make. Frustration can't lead to poor decisions, right? And I think what's happening, uh, not just in a personal level, but on a governmental level, is that because disruption has hit an all-time high, and so many things and so many people have been basically offset by this, how do we get back to normal? And since we don't have the backing of science or a vaccine, Uh, in particular, to get us back to normal. How do we resume without creating mass casualties, right? So uh, I don't know what that number is. I was listening to an interview with Governor uh, Cuomo uh, and Trevor Noah, and he talked about, you know, just trying to create this possibility of reentry. But I think you have to handle this uh, very carefully. We are still, uh, from what uh, the reports have been uh, stated and what Dr. Fauci says, Yeah, social distancing is the best way to prevent this. Uh, The coronavirus is still being worked on. A vaccine is still over a year away. And unfortunately, right now, there's just no way to mass counteract this. Um, Yes. uh, Can you survive it? Sure. Is it worth testing yourself? No. Uh, I I think the all individuals, the government, uh, states, the governors, the mayors, they, ha- they, ha- they have to meet and come with a general consensus that will apply to all, regardless of how many cases are in your state, regardless of how many unfortunate deaths have happened. You have to come to a general guidelining principle that will be uniformity for everyone and basically say, by this measure, by empirical data, this is how we go forward. And until you can empirically justify any type of move, uh, I think it would just be utter foolishness to you know open up at this time. I know the state of 
Georgia is actually going to be the first state to open up this Friday on the 24th. They are planning to open up your bars, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, gyms, barbershops, hair salons. And then by Monday uh, to be fully open on the 27th, which is is, a dangerous move. I understand businesses have really been impacted, but how do you justify putting people in harm's way? And if your excuse is, well, life is life, then that's a very callous excuse. We have this threat among us. And until we have developed a way to properly handle this, that we can minimize any negative um, result, uh, it would be to me at this point utterly foolish to proceed forward. So when discussing the uh, economic impact, I think the first niche or industry that has been hit the hardest uh, is the bars and restaurant uh, industry. John Dancer goes on to write that, uh, or John Dancer, who actually co-founded Torch and Crown Brewing Company in Manhattan, is facing a crisis. New York City has just ordered all bars and restaurants closed in an attempt to slow the spread of coronavirus, and his company lost its primary sales channel. We had to change our entire operations overnight. The company pivoted to online sales and delivery in an effort to stay afloat, ramping up production of canned beers, repurposing salespeople as delivery drivers, and promising same-day delivery across a swath of the city. But even with the enthusiastic customer support, the company has made 1,400 deliveries in the past month. The revenues are not even half where they were before the shutdowns. So like I said, it's a very real thing. Obviously, like uh, with Dantzler's uh, Torching Crown and Brewing Company, you know, he shifted to your digital channels um, and he has seen some uh, financial positivity, but it's less than 50 percent of what he would normally make uh, as a company. So, you know, the digital channel, the digital strategy is an effective one, but there will never be a total replacement of brick and mortar. People like physical spaces. It's just the strategy behind it. And then obviously when you're, you know, your customers are used to a certain delivery mode and then overnight you shift, you know, it's going to be a lag in adoption rate. Right. So I I think the best strategy is that restaurant organizations that make less than a certain amount of revenue, organizations that have less than a certain amount of employees, Organizations like your mid-size and your small businesses need to be federally backed at this point to the point that they're really not responsible for any liabilities. And I mean by that, like bills, they need to really be positioned so that they can resume operations and hit the ground running. And I really believe that the federal government is going to have to decide what course is going to take. Either it's going to be the government that went all out or the government that fell in. And what I mean by going all out, I mean totally throwing its full support behind its citizens, totally throwing its full support behind organizations, behind businesses, creating almost this temporary utopia out of distress. And if it can do that and do it well, I think history will look back and look back on it favorably. If it falls in and says, you know, we we stood our ground and you know, we didn't cave in after that one after the you know stimulus package. We decided no more, even though a, a bill was passed today. Uh, I think history will basically state that that was the wrong course of action. When tragedy hits, 
all hands on deck, right? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, I think we need to keep uh, the restaurant community, the bars and the restaurant community definitely uh, in our focus and in our thoughts and really be uh, a support to them uh, and really patronize their business in the way uh, that they have adjusted to. And I think that will be the temporary fix going forward. The possibility of a coronavirus bill, Eric Ortiz goes on to write that the United States effort to stomp out the spread of coronavirus to Democratic senators are taking a cue from a national program launched during the Great Depression. Uh, Senators Kristen Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, and Michael Bennett, a Democrat from Colorado, would create a health force that would recruit train and employ Americans, ideally pulling from among the millions now unemployed during the pandemic into public health and healthcare careers. Uh, the senator said that the bill is a nod to the Works Progress Administration, or WPA, which was created by FDR in 1935 that put millions of Americans to work building roads, schools, water lines, and other infrastructure. Gillibrand said that the goal of the health force would be to give hundreds of thousands of Americans jobs to respond to the coronavirus outbreak and meet existing and emerging public health needs. I think this is ingenious. I think this is a needed step. Obviously, this mimics the uh, the WPA that was created by FDR in 1935. And it would basically shift those who are unemployed and receiving unemployment benefits to full-time careers within the health industry. Now, uh, so you would you would basically create a, a total shift or swap. Now, the, the, the question is, what type of training? Like, is there going to be an advanced CNA, you know, uh, RN program? Is it going to be an advanced, you know, doctor's program? Uh, because that is why there's many different type of roles in addressing the medical health uh, industry. Uh, so obviously that, you know, like if, you know, the a standard RN program is three three years after you completed like a degree in uh, social science. Is that shortened to six months? You know, like I just, I want to see it definitely laid out, but I do believe that this is needed. I do believe that this is a step in the right direction. We have to create the economy of the future and we have to be honest with ourselves. We have a growing uh, demographic and a growing just, just populace of unemployed and underemployed and and even when this thing resides back to normal, the, the real focus is coronavirus has created a case study for organizations to really assess what is needed versus what is not needed. How much physical space is really needed versus what is not needed. How can we mimic, if not increase productivity without increasing human capital? And when you've been basically shut down or disrupted for you know, two plus months, you have time to analyze this. So when things do reside, they'll bring in the strategists, they'll bring in their analytical scientists and, and experts and subject matter professionals to really look at operations holistically and say, you know, if it took 100 people to normally fill this place and we produce this amount of revenue, can we do this at 60 and 40 of them work from home? 
you know, so we don't have to raise wages because you have the benefit of working from home. So you're saving money on commuting. So we don't have to pay like commuters benefits. Uh, you're working from home. So you don't have to pay child care. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? It, it starts creating this new normal. We're not going back. We're going to a new normal. And I think that has to be the mindset. And unfortunately, that shift, you know, comes with uh, an effect. And we don't really know what that effect is. But I, it, but like I, I stated, having this gap of time, having this spread of time, and then it continuing, because like I said, even though Georgia is going to open up first on Friday, you know, and I'm sure other states will follow. There's definitely going to be a look at efficiency strategies. And even though efficiencies oh, were the norm anyway, and looking at automation and robotic just technology, but now uh, that is going to increase sevenfold, you know, because companies, if they have to deal with a similar scenario, let's say in the future, uh, you know, Lord forbid, 5, 10, 15 years from now, they want to be ready for the next whatever it is so that they can still be functional, they can still be profitable, and their revenue won't cease. So look, uh, hopefully this bill definitely passes. Hopefully this uh, workforce, uh, health force is is implemented. Hopefully we create uh, opportunities for all individuals so that they're able to move forward and progress in life and that the world can begin to heal. Uh, but also have the understanding that the next wave is going to be how do we really preserve and honor human capital? How do we preserve and honor the human spirit, human integrity? Because if organizations who value bottom line look at a robot and realize robots don't get sick ever, and that's going to be a a, a discussion behind closed doors, that's going to be something that uh, is on the radar and i think how we respond as citizens as consumers is to support businesses that put people first oil prices have been hit and hit hard obviously with the uh self-quarantine and the stay-at-home orders people are not driving as much the airline industry has pretty much uh been tanked uh lucy bailey goes on to write the u.s crude oil prices have dropped by almost 300 percent to turn negative for the first time as plunging demand pushes storage facilities to their limit, uh, the U.S. benchmark crude West Texas Intermediate sank to a new level low or new low of minus or negative $37.63 a barrel by the close of the oil market. Uh, so basically, you know, supply and demand, right? We have more supply than there is demand. The demand is not increasing. It is decreasing. And if you increase price, it would just, you know, decrease the need to travel even further. So trying to lower to increase consumption, uh, this, you know, <laughs> even though there's nowhere, no really place to go to drive. But, you know, this honestly is the time to fill up. Um, it's one of those things with all economies of skills. Uh, life uh, is cyclical. Business is cyclical. And when you have this great disruption... It forces innovation. I think uh, what's going to happen is that the need for alternative energy, alternative sources will increase. Obviously, you know, we don't need the demand or the demand for travel has diminished because of this disruption, because of the pandemic that we're all going through. Uh, But how do you counteract? Because if things do get back to normal, uh, vacationing 
it doesn't seem I don't think the vacation industry is going to ha- have a, you know, immediate shot in the arm. I don't see, you know, like if this thing ended, you know, May 1st, uh, which is next Friday, I don't I don't see, you know, American Airlines selling out. You know, I don't see Southwest selling out. I don't see trips to Hawaii being booked uh, because now it's how do we recover? So now you enter into a recovery phase. Uh, so while this is going on, I think it's smart uh, for the oil uh, industry to keep its prices low and very low to encourage travel in the future. Um, because if you do try to spike up too fast too soon, then it pushes like, hey, we don't need this anyway. And basically you'll phase yourself out. All right, that has been another, that has been another, another, another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Uh, it's been great connecting with you, just covering just the latest and greatest of topics, uh, working on uh, some things as far as content coverage. Connect with me, IG, CVMK33. Love to hear from you. Love to uh, just connect and, and see what you want me to cover. But until next time, thanks.